Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. The Hoffman Show. So when you saw McLaren's contract, it anything particular stand out about the structure, about, you know, obviously I think the $28 million pops out to a lot of people guaranteed at signing. What's you stood out about the deal between the Commander's star receiver and uh, the team? Yeah, to me, it's the, the length of the deal. I think the fact that it's on three-year extension um, is really beneficial to Terry, right, um, in that he gets back to the market um, when the salary cap will have increased uh, significantly, and so that gives him another bite at the apple, right? And, and now we're talking about him being close to his age 30 season when we get to that point, but um, with the increase in the cap, even if he's a second-tier NFL wide receiver at that phase of his career because of the increase in the cap. Second-tier wide receivers might be making $20 million uh, per year because first-tier NFL wide receivers might be making thirty-five to $40 million per year. Um, so to me, um, it's that length or the shorter length of the deal um, that stands out. Yeah, that that's definitely an interesting thing and seems like a big win for Terry because he is a little bit older for a guy with his NFL experience where A.J. Brown is 24, Terry's 26. Um, and also you mentioned as the cap rises, these contracts keep going up. If you're an agent, how, how are you talking about that with teams as the Amazon money and all these other TV deals continue to get redone and, and the pool of money is going to be significant higher or significantly higher over the next couple of years? Yeah, sure. I've always been a proponent of we really should be tying player compensation to the increase in the cap. So we really should be valuing player contracts more so not, you know, on a dollar basis, but really as a percentage of the cap. Right. And so therefore, as the cap increases, well, that player's market value should increase accordingly. Now, last year, given, you know, the pandemic and, um, reduced revenues, the cap went down, right? And so, you know, you, you deal with both sides of that um, argument. And so player compensation should have gone down last year based upon that. But, you know, to your point, you know, as an agent, I want my player to be able to get back to the market as quickly as possible to take advantage of these uh, increases in the cap. And as you alluded to, with the increases, increases coming from Amazon money, coming from uh, betting money, um, and so I think that's why, as of late, you've seen a lot of these deals uh, have been shorter deals. Uh, they have been three-year extensions. You're really not seeing 
those five, six-year extensions um, as frequently as you used to. J.I. Hallsell is with us on Twitter, at SalaryCap101. I'm also curious, um, I was actually talking about this on uh, our podcast today with Logan Paulson, who obviously played a long time in the league, and um, the idea of kind of the communication between agent and player on how some of this breaks down. How involved are those conversations between you as an agent and your player of, okay, this is the guaranteed at signing, this is, uh, you know, this bonus, this is that, like the structure of that, because it allows the teams to do a lot of different things. But for the players, outside of how much is my first check when I get that signing bonus, you know, it, it, a lot of that stuff is doesn't wind up mattering from the way I understand it. But it, what's the kind of communication between uh, player and agent as you work on the structure of the deal that is mostly a way for teams to maneuver around the salary cap? Yeah, you know, whenever you know, people who aspire to become agents ask me, you know, what's my advice? What's my perspective on it? And I tell them, you know, what gets highlighted all the time is the negotiation between the agent and the team. But what we don't talk about is the conversation slash negotiation between agent and and client, the player, Um, because that conversation can often be more important than the conversation with the team because agent and player have to be on the same page in terms of what's our objective in structuring your next contract? What's our goal? What's the plan for us to get to those goals? What mechanisms in this contract should I be thinking about, should we be thinking about um, as we get to that next contract? If you are a player with a history of injury, as an example, are you comfortable with if we need to bridge the gap between what the team is willing to pay you versus what we want you to get paid, are you comfortable with that bridge being per game roster bonuses so that if you're not on the game day roster in a given week because maybe you're injured and you have a history of injury, are you okay with not making that money? So, you know, when we, it's easy to talk about with a client, yeah, I want to get to, I want to get to a hundred million dollar total value. Okay, well, that's easy, but what do we want the mechanics of how you make that $100 million? What what does that look like? Do you need to, based upon the position that you play, do you need to have that cash more so in the first two or three years? Or do we anticipate that you could have a really long career, and so maybe we're willing to trade some of that first three-year money in exchange for a better guarantee structure? These are all the things that an agent should be talking with their client about as they go into a negotiation. So when you look at that through or look at Terry's contract through that lens, what do you think? Like, what does the contract tell you was important to him and his agent? Getting back to the market, obviously, as we talked about a couple of minutes ago, the fact that it's only a three year extension allows him to get back to the market. Um, I think that when you look at the wide receiver market, um, Stephon Diggs is at 24 million per year. And then there's a significant drop off to DJ Moore's 20.6 million per year. So when you look at the average per year of Terry's deal being 23.3, to me, it tells me that, you know, both the agent and the club, Washington, were comfortable landing somewhere in that gap, right? 20.6 to 24. Uh, The fact that they landed closer to Stefan Diggs than 24 tells me that Terry was okay with being in that gap, but wanted to be kind of closer to Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore, and on top of that, got the three-year term 
that he was looking for. So uh, to me, those are probably the things that stand out in terms of his position and how he looked at it. Um, the, the $28 million signing bonus, like I think from an agent perspective, that's a great like highlight and the agent will go and use that in recruiting next year or so on and so forth. But I think that $28 million signing bonus, while also being a great um, a guarantee for Terry, it also helps the, the, the organization as well because that money from a cap accounting standpoint gets prorated over the next four years, so 2022 through 2025. So it helps Washington from a cap management standpoint. So that's a win-win. Um, so, you know, structurally, those are the things that kind of stand out to me about Terry's deal. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, one of the things that we had spent a lot of time on talking about leading up to the deal was how to monetarily value Terry's leadership. He is a fantastic player, and that on its own is worth a lot of money in the modern NFL. He's also the face of the franchise and the unquestioned leader of this club. As, as If you were his agent, how are you trying to put a monetary value on that, and how does that leadership uh, element and the character that Terry has affect the negotiation? Yeah, absolutely. There is a value for that. And, you know, the value that a player brings to an organization isn't always quantifiable, right? So you can't quantify leadership. You can easily quantify his productivity on the field. But when you think about where Washington is from a roster management, roster building standpoint, Terry is what you are looking for. He is the poster child for what you want, both on the field and in the locker room. And I think that you know, organizations can sometimes get caught up in the negotiation. And I always like to say, from a club perspective, are we trying to win the negotiation or are we trying to win games? And so with a player like Terry McLaurin, maybe you're not trying to, from a club perspective, crush the negotiation and say, nope, we're not paying him over $22 million per year because that's not what we don't want to go anywhere above that, right? Well, when you've got a player like Terry McLaurin who, who is – great in the locker room and obviously productive on the field, maybe you're willing to put that aside and say, look, we'll get you closer to Stephon Diggs, even though ideally we don't want to get close to his $24 million. But for this type of player, we're willing to make that commitment. And I think that, that, that leadership, that personality, that profile is what makes a team feel comfortable with going to a place that maybe they otherwise would not in another negotiation. Last question for J.I. Hallsell, Salary Cap 101 on Twitter. Uh, as you can hear, incredibly bright, as good as it gets on all things contracts when it comes to the NFL. What does this mean for Washington's cap situation moving forward, and specifically the next guy up, who should be Deron Payne, who already has is, is made it known he's not super psyched with, with how things are going right now, that he wants an extension, likely has to wait for it, but what does this mean for him in the near and long-term futures? I think when you look at the Jonathan Allen extension last year, the Terry McCorn extension this year, I mean, Washington has shown that they are willing uh, to reward and extend their homegrown players who are core members of what they're trying to build. 
Um, from a cap management standpoint, they're in great shape. They didn't spend a ton of money in free agency like they used to. Um, they've done a pretty good job of building through the draft. Um, you know, with the Deron Payne situation in particular, I know, you know it's been reported that they, they're not entertaining trading him at this moment, but it's also been reported that they're not entertaining giving him an extension at this moment. Um, I would tell you that from a club perspective, having been on that side of the world as well, that you want to keep as many options on the table as possible as you possibly can for as long as you can. And so we still got a long time between now and March of next year when free agency starts to figure out what we're going to do with Deron Payne. We don't need to commit to trading him right now. We don't need to commit to giving him an extension right now. We don't need to commit to uh, tagging him. We don't need to commit to saying we're going to let him walk and take the comp pick in return. We've got a lot of time to see how this all plays out. And so I think from a Deron Payne standpoint, you're just going to, they are kind of as an organization in wait and see. And they feel comfortable because potentially they drafted his successor at D tackle. And um, a lot of those same things that I just mentioned about Deron Payne, you can, after this season, also say about Antonio Gibson at running back once we get to the end of the season. So um, there's, there's no rush for them to make any decisions on Deron Payne right now, and they're in a great cap position. The Hoffman Show, weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.